Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary PSL. Please join our lead pastor, Mike Wiggins, for the message, A Transformed Life. All right, so today we have the joy of starting a new study in a new book for a new year. And so the book is actually an inspired letter, and it was written by one of the most colorful characters in all the scriptures. And so my goal today is to prepare you for the verse-by-verse teaching that we're actually going to start next week. I want to prepare you for that teaching by first introducing you to the author. And so today is an introduction uh, to 1 Peter. And in this introductory message, first I'm going to give you an overview of the author of the letter. And then I'm going to give you an overview of the actual epistle. And so we'll start with that question. Who wrote 1 Peter? Well, the answer is very obvious. When you read verse one, it was the apostle Peter. And so look at the very first line of verse one. Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ, Peter. He originally came from Bethsaida, and he moved later in his life to the city of Capernaum, where he lived with his wife and apparently his mother-in-law. And so as you look at the map, Capernaum was strategically uh, located on the northern end of the Sea of Galilee. By the way, quick side note, Capernaum was Jesus Christ's ministry headquarters in Galilee. And I think that's, very interesting because as you learn the New Testament, here's what you find out, that everything on the left side of your screen, the west side of the Sea of Galilee, that's predominantly Jews, and everything on the right side of your screen, the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, and on down, is predominantly Gentiles. And how many of you guys are grateful that Jesus didn't just come for the Jews, he came for the Jews and Gentiles, right? He loves the whole world. And so isn't that interesting that his His uh, headquarters is right there in between the two. And so if you go with us to Israel, we will visit Capernaum. And one of the main sites is we'll go and see the ruins of a third century AD synagogue, which is very cool, but what's even more cool than that is we'll go down to the side and we'll look down in the ground. And how many of you guys see those black stones? Do you see those? Those are basalt stones and they date from the first century AD. You know what they did? They built synagogues on top of synagogues. And as you know, archeologists, when they dig down, the farther you dig down, the farther back you go into history. And so those black stones that you see on your screen are the stones from a synagogue in the first century AD, the synagogue where Jesus went and worshiped when he was in Capernaum on the Sabbath day. That's pretty cool. And then we'll walk over to another part to the ruins of a first century home there in Capernaum. Some people believe that that's actually Peter's house. And then my favorite part of Capernaum is we will walk down to the Sea of Galilee and we'll hear an amazing lecture by our Jewish guide. This guy loves Jesus and uh, he's a walking encyclopedia and so we'll be there right at those waters, it's a beautiful setting, and he'll share that lecture, and I may share a devotion as well. And so it was from those waters, ladies and gentlemen, that Peter, the author of our letter, made his living. You see, Peter and Andrew were fishermen, and they were partners with the sons of Zebedee, James and John, in a very prosperous fishing business. And so when the Lord called these four men to follow him, Peter, 
Andrew, James, and John, you need to know that the Gospels tell us that these guys left their nets and they followed the Lord. What does that mean? That means they left their livelihood. They left their income. They left their career. They left everything that was familiar to them in order to follow Jesus Christ. What a great response. And by the way, if the Lord in 2021 calls you to do something that you may think is crazy, you need to obey the Lord. Because here's what I know, that where God guides, he always provides. And you just need to listen and obey the Lord's voice because man, the best place to be is right smack dab in the middle of God's will. And so Luke chapter five gives us the most detailed account of Christ's call on these men, and I love that chapter because in that chapter there's this riveting story of Christ's power over creation. By the way, you know why Christ has power over creation? Because he's the creator. And so uh, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, I want you to row out into the Sea of Galilee and let down your nets for a catch. And Peter looks back at Jesus and he says, and I quote, Master, we toiled all night and caught nothing. You know, the fish, they bite at night. During the day, they go down to the deeper parts of the sea where it's cool. And so in other words, you know, maybe Peter's thinking, I've been doing this my whole life. He's questioning the Lord's call. I think Jesus is just looking at him. And so finally, Peter says, and I quote, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Now, how many of you guys know that obedience always brings blessing? So obey the Lord. Just start obeying the Lord in 2021 like never before because blessings will come. Blessings, they may be material, they may be immaterial, but blessings will come. And sure enough, they rowed the boat out, they let down the nets, and you guys know the story. Those nets filled up with so many fish. The nets almost broke. And Peter and the guys, they took all these fish and they filled up two boats with flopping fish and the boats actually started to sink. It's a great, great story, and it's a true story. And by the way, the new series, um, The Chosen, uh, has an amazing scene about this story in episode four of season one. It's my favorite see, uh, uh, episode of all, my, my favorite scene of the whole first season. It's just filled with excitement, and it's filled with emotion. How many of you guys have seen the series, The Chosen? Let me see your hands. Yeah, about 20% of you. My goal is that 100% of everyone who calls Calvary their church home will see it. Now, you won't find it on Amazon, and you won't find it on Netflix. Here's what you gotta do. You gotta go to the App Store, and you gotta download, you gotta type in The Chosen, and download The Chosen app, and then you stream that to your television set. If you're older like me and you have no idea what I'm talking about, just call your kid. They're very technologically astute and they'll walk you through the process so that you can watch the series called The Chosen. I heard it's also on Pure Flix, uh, VidAngel, whatever. Um, and so how did Peter respond when he saw this stunning miracle? He fell down at Jesus' feet, right? And he said, depart from me, O Lord, I'm a sinful man. Have you ever been there? You just feel like 
you're such a sinner and, and Christ is so holy. Just depart from me. Now, this is what I love about Jesus. Everybody look at me. He doesn't do this. He does this. Check out Jesus' response. Do not be afraid. Maybe you're here today and you're a sinner like me. We're all sinners. You know, Jesus isn't doing this. He's saying, don't be afraid. 2,000 years ago, he said, don't be afraid, Peter. From now on, you will be catching men. And that phrase right there sums up the rest of Peter's life. He was all about catching men. But here's what you need to know, that before you go into the ministry, you need to prepare for the ministry. And by the way, that could be uh, full-time or that could be um, uh, serving the Lord in your life. But here's what, what, what Jesus did. After he picked Peter, he discipled Peter for the better part of three years. And so for three extraordinary years, Peter has this special relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was part of Christ's what's called inner three. And so the 12 apostles, all 12 of them, had access to the Lord, but three guys, Peter, James, and John, had special access, more access than the others. And somebody says, well, that doesn't seem fair. Well, take it up with the Lord. He can do whatever he wants to do. And so Peter, James, and John, they got to witness the raising of Jairus' daughter from the dead in Mark chapter five. Peter, James, and John got to see Christ on Mount Hermon and his deity bursting forth through his humanity as he was transfigured, standing there with Moses and Elijah. The other guys didn't get to see that, but Peter, James, and John did. And those three guys, the inner three, they were asked to follow the Lord deep into the garden of Gethsemane as Jesus fell on his knees and sweat great drops of blood and poured out his heart to the Father before he went to the cross. And so Peter had special privileges and in the Gospels we see his primacy among the other apostles. And so there's no doubt that among the 12, Peter was the leader. And the reason we know that is because when you read the Gospels, Peter is mentioned more than the other guys. When you read the Gospels, Peter speaks more. <laughs> Sometimes he speaks before he thinks. But he speaks more than the other apostles. And in the places where we see the lists that name the 12 apostles, Matthew has a list, Mark has a list, Luke has a list, and Acts has a list. Guess whose name is first among all those lists. Peter, the author of the letter. You say, what are you doing this, this morning, Pastor Mike? What I'm doing is I'm introducing First Peter by helping you get to know the author. And so we also see his primacy, by the way, in the book of Acts. Because Peter, more than anybody else in the first half or so of Acts, Peter dominates the narrative. By the way, what man dominates the narrative of the second half of Acts? You tell me. Paul, thank you for reading your Bibles. Keep you reading your Bibles in 2021. The flesh is gonna fight against it, but read your Bibles, it'll change your life. And as we read about Peter in the Gospels, as we read about Peter in the book of Acts, here's what we, we see. This guy was a human being. He was fully human, filled with all the frailty that comes with being a human, with a sin nature, 
all the sin that comes along with all of that. At times, Peter was a man's man. At other times, he was fearful, weak, and frail. And he had all these high points and he had all these low points. Okay, so as I tell you a little bit more about Peter, I want you to see some of the high points in Peter's life in the Gospels. Check this out. He was called by the Lord. And that's just super high. (laughs) The uncreated son of God said, Peter, follow me. And he was made an apostle, not just as a disciple, but as an apostle. He was among the 12. You say, what's the big deal? You'll find out when you go to the New Jerusalem and you see that the foundation of the walls of heaven will have the names of the 12 apostles. It's a big deal. And by the way, what's this church all about? This church is all about Jesus Christ and following his teachings and the teachings of the apostles, Acts 2.42. He confessed Jesus as the Christ. Jesus looks at his men and he says, who do people say that I am? And Peter, like Peter always does, just blurts it out. He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. You see, spiritual truth is not revealed by men or women, it's revealed from God, and the truth is that Jesus Christ is Messiah, the Son of God. That's a high point. And then, I already mentioned, he saw Jesus transfigured on the mountain, and then look at this high point. He walked on water. You say, what's the big deal? Go home in your backyard pool and you try it today. See what's gonna happen to you or me. Outside of Jesus, Peter's the only person in the history of man Whoever walked on water until he sunk, right? And that leads us to check out some of Peter's low points. This guy actually had the audacity to rebuke the Lord. Jesus says, I'm gonna go to Jerusalem and I'm gonna die. And he says, no, you're not. He gets in Jesus' face and he begins to rebuke Jesus? That's not smart. That's a low point. And then Jesus promptly called him Satan. You know you're having a bad day when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, to you. The word Satan means adversary. In other words, why did Jesus come? He came for lots of reasons, but the number one reason, never forget this, that he came is because he loves you and he had to die and absorb God's wrath against your sin in your place and rise again victorious over sin and death so you could live forever in heaven. And nothing can stop Jesus from doing that. Nothing could stop Jesus from going to the cross. And so, hey, adversary, get behind me. I'm going to Jerusalem. And then here's another low point. He swung a sword at a man's head in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember that? Now, I don't believe that Jesus was so, I'm sorry, Peter was so proficient with the sword. He was a fisherman. (laughs) I don't think he's so proficient with the sword. He takes it out in the Garden of Gethsemane. He sees Malchus, the high priest's servant. He goes, you know what? I'm just gonna take off his ear. No, he's going for the guy's head. And you guys remember how how Jesus responded to Peter and Matthew? He said, Peter, put away your sword. Those who live by the sword will what? Die by the sword. By the way, quick side note, what we saw last Wednesday with the breach of our US Capitol was number one, ridiculous, number two, sad, and number three, sin. It was wrong. I don't care what flag you have. Lawlessness is lawlessness 
and you've got to be condemned. Period. Period. And so here, here's what I wanna share with you. You know your heart, you and the Lord, and so if politics is like way up here in your heart, and Jesus, your passion for Jesus is way down here, here's an idea. Get off your political bandwagon and get on Jesus' bandwagon and start living your life by the Sermon on the Mount. Stop living every single day with number one principles is the principles of your political party. Don't do that. Don't fall into that trap. Here's what you do. Open up to Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and ask the Lord to fill you to overflowing and help you live out the Sermon on the Mount like the Beatitudes that says, blessed are the peacemakers. And so this is what we gotta do, people. We're Christians. We're Christians before we're Americans and we're certainly Christians before we're Democrats or Republicans, and I'm just gonna stop and keep moving here. All right, so look at number one, two, three, four. He boasted of his faithfulness. This is Peter. He says, Jesus, even if all of them, looking down his nose, deny you, I will never deny you. Hey, I don't care who you are. Proverbs 16, 18 is true. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That goes for me, all of you, anybody in the world. God will not be mocked by pride. And so Peter denied the Lord, not once, twice, but how many times? Three times, just like Jesus said he would. That's some pretty low lows. And what do they mean? They mean that Peter was just a man. He experienced all the ups and downs that all human beings in a fallen world with a sin nature experience. And yet, this is what I love about the Lord, despite his humanity and all the sins that come with it, you need to know that Jesus loved Peter. And when he repented, Jesus forgave Peter. And Jesus transformed Peter. And so in this introductory message to 1 Peter, I wanna talk a little bit about the transformed life of the Apostle Peter. And so about 34 years before he wrote the letter, his name was Simon. Okay, and so while the synoptic gospels talk about how Peter um, was called by Jesus to be an apostle, by the way, synoptic, if you're new to the church or Christianity, um, comes from the word synopsis or summary. And when you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you see that those synop um, summaries of Jesus' life were very similar. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels, very different than John's and the way John approached chronicling Jesus' life. So in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that shows Jesus' call on Peter's life to be an apostle, but John alone writes about how Jesus first met Peter. It all started when Peter's brother Andrew was a follower of John the Baptist down in Judea, and one day, Andrew's standing there, and John the Baptist is standing there, and John points to Jesus and says, hey, hey, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And of course, that piqued Andrew's interest. So what did he do? He was smart. He left John the Baptist, and he began to follow Jesus. Jesus turned around and was like, I'm paraphrasing, right, can I help you? And he's like, hey, can I hang out with you? And I think it was the better part of a day 
that Andrew hung out with Jesus. Now let me tell you something, if you hang out with Jesus for a day, he'll change your life. This is why we don't emphasize religion here at Calvary Port St. Lucie, we emphasize relationship. Lots of people have it, all the facts up here in their head, they've never met Jesus relationally in their heart. And so what happened? Andrew is excited, he spent time with Jesus, and what do you do when you're excited? You tell people. He, went, he said, hey Simon, brother Simon, we found the Messiah. Peter's like, yeah, right, right? And so, come on, let me show you. And when Jesus saw Simon, look at what Jesus said. He said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And so Jesus is like, Simon, I'm giving you a new name. In Aramaic, Cephas. In Greek, Petros. In English, it's Peter. And what does Peter mean? It means a rock. The word Peter speaks of stability and reliability. And I got a question for you and you can answer out loud. When Jesus gave Simon that name, was he stable or reliable, yes or no? No, not even close. Anybody who rebukes the Messiah, anybody who swings a sword at a guy's head, and anybody who denies his best friend three times is neither stable nor reliable. But here's what we need to understand this afternoon. If you're with me right now, can you say amen? amen. Okay, don't, don't miss this right here. When Jesus gave Simon the name Rock, he didn't give him that name for who he was. He gave him that name for who he would become. Why? Because Jesus saw potential in Peter. Did you know that Jesus sees potential in all of you? In you guys, he sees potential. But, but here's the problem. For Peter, during those low points that we talked about, he didn't see his own potential. And for all of us, when we're down here in the valley, we don't see that potential. But you need to know, listen, that he who began a good work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. You gotta stand on the promises of God. Okay, and so Peter hit some low points. As I mentioned, the lowest point in his life is when he denied Christ three times. Um, tradition says that from then on, whenever he would preach, there would be people often in the back of the crowd. I'm so glad this doesn't happen to me. And as he's preaching, they would go, ar, 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 mocking him because of his denial of the Lord. Aren't you glad, by the way, that even though men and women remind us of our past sin, God never does? He forgives, he forgets, he washes it away. That's the Lord. And so after that third denial, Peter heard the rooster crow, and right then, Luke tells us he saw Jesus being led away, right, bound from Caiaphas' house. Now, Peter's on the high priest's courtyard, warming himself by the fire. He just denied Jesus three times, the rooster crowed, and here comes Jesus being led, and he's all bloody and he's beaten. You guys remember what happened to Jesus in Caiaphas' house? He was beaten to a pulp. You know, 
spit in his face. They blindfolded him. Bam, bam, who punched you? They kept hitting him, fulfilling, by the way, a prophecy from Isaiah that his visage was marred more than any other man. And so it says in Luke's gospel that as Jesus is being led out, beaten and bloodied, he turns and he looks right at Peter. And Peter's just denied the Lord three times. Okay, this is the lowest of low that you can get to. And his eyes locked with Jesus' eyes. And I don't, do not believe that Jesus' look was like this. It wasn't a look of condemnation. It was a look of love. And ladies and gentlemen, how many of you guys know it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? Right? And so what happened? The Bible says that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. You know the problem in our, in our country is that people flaunt their sin. They celebrate their sin. They get all arrogant about their sin. No, 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 no. Peter was impacted by Christ's love and he wept over his sin. Now, does anybody here believe that that was the last chapter in Peter's life? How many of you guys believe God is gracious? And so check out this point, I love this. Peter's story could have ended after the rooster crowed, but the Lord had more chapters for Peter's book. Because our God is absolutely gracious. Jesus was nowhere near finished writing Peter's story. There were so many more chapters to write. And so what did he do? Because he's kind, and listen, he always initiates. We don't initiate, he initiates. And the resurrected Christ went looking for Peter. I gotta restore this guy. And so he finds Peter, he loves him, he forgives him, he restores him. And by the way, this is a private meeting, we don't know anything about it, except that he was restored, and we know that he was restored also um, to ministry in John chapter 21. But before John 21, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, Jesus, the resurrected Christ, had a private meeting with Peter. He, he forgave him, he transformed him, and now check out the rest of the story in Acts. Peter, indwelt and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. That's a high point. And by the way, he wasn't just baptized with the Holy Spirit um, as far as the empowerment of the Holy Spirit one time. As you continue to read Acts, it says over and over, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you and I have to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Not indwelt, there's one indwelling, there's many fillings or empowerings. And so he was indwelt and empowered by the Spirit and then look at this, he preached Christ publicly on the day of Pentecost. And so he was at the fire on the priest, high priest courtyard, fearful and cowering before a servant girl but now he's preaching without being embarrassed to thousands of people. That's a pretty high point. Then he helps lead the church of Jerusalem along with James, the little half-brother of Jesus, and John. And then he prays for the Samaritan believers in Acts 8. And then, look at this, he actually goes to a Gentile's house and leads the Gentile Cornelius and his family and friends to Christ. 
And even after all those extra chapters in Peter's story, there's even more chapters because when you put two and two together, here's what you find out, that Peter continued to travel around the Roman Empire and he continues to strengthen and he continues to give hope to many Christians. And by the time we get to AD 64 or AD 65 when he wrote the letter that we're gonna start studying next week, you need to know this, the old Simon is gone, the new Peter has arrived. The old Simon, arrogant, unreliable, impulsive, fearful, he's gone, buried underneath the waters of baptism, so to speak, as baptism symbolizes. And now the new Peter, he's arrived, he's humble, he's reliable, he's patient, he's brave. All the the working of the Holy Spirit and the working of grace, why? Because I'll say it again, he who began a good work in you will complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. He's gotta keep humble before the Lord. He said, you are Simon, you shall be Peter the Rock. And what two things specifically happened to Peter to see this transformed life? Well, number one, he met the resurrected Christ, as I already talked about, who restored him. And then number two, he was filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, not just in Acts 2, but over and over and over again. So what does all this mean for us? If you're taking notes, here's what you gotta get this afternoon. The Lord has more chapters for our story. And he has more chapters for your story. Listen, if you're here today and you're down in the dumps, if you're discouraged, if you can't get victory over that sin, and you're thinking right now, God's done with me, I blew it, he's mad at me, I wanna encourage you to stop listening to Satan. There is now, Romans 8, 1 says, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let no one caught in sin remain inside the lie of bitter shame. It's a tool of the enemy. He's trying to keep you down. You've heard me say it a thousand times. The way you know the voice between, uh, the way you discern between God's voice and Satan's voice is when you're down, Satan keeps kicking you and stomping on your head. You're a failure, God's done with you. Why don't you just give up? Why don't you just walk away? That's not the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord is, come on son, come on daughter, I love you, get up, hey. It's, it's not over, I got more chapters to write in your life. I mean, is anyone personally receiving this right now from me? You need to let this go into your heart. You need to let this impact your life. Don't let this just be another sermon. Let the Lord speak to you. And so encounter the risen Christ by faith and allow him to fill you to overflowing and he will write more chapters in your story. All right, when did Peter write this letter? Well, we believe around AD 64, 65. And so we're not sure exactly, scholars are not exactly sure of those dates, but those dates seem plausible, and there's a good reason why they seem plausible. It's because Peter, as you're gonna find out as we study this letter, wrote to Christians who were undergoing persecution. 
right? And we know as you study church history that an intense persecution actually broke out after what's called the Great Fire of Rome, which took place in July of AD 64. And so the reason that the Roman Empire turned so viciously against Christians and the church is because Caesar Nero actually blamed the Christian community for starting the fire that burnt down the city of Rome. Now, many people believe that Nero started the fire, but he used Christians as his scapegoat. And so here's an interesting tidbit. It's important for you to know this. Before AD 64, most of the persecution against Christians came from Jewish religious leaders that rejected Jesus as their Messiah. They're the ones that beat up on the Christians. But then after the great fire of Rome, AD 64, now things change and now primarily the persecution against the church is coming from the Roman authorities. The government coming after the church. Now, if you're with me, say amen here. Do you know how long this lasted in church history? About 250 years. You say, thanks for the encouragement, Pastor Mike. (laughs) Wow. It's true. We We gotta come to grips with the fact that this is not our home. We're just passing through. We're not home yet. Try to put yourself in the sandals of those Christians for 250 years that were fed to lions, that were burned at the stake. What we're doing right now, we have this beautiful building, we got a school across the street, we got signs, right? That didn't exist, because they'd come and break down the door and put me in jail somewhere. Or maybe it's you guys. 250 years. To put that in perspective, that's about as long as we've been a nation. Right, I mean, 245 years, I think. So from the time of George Washington till now, the government coming after the church. But what does God do? He inspires a man named Peter to write a couple letters to minister to that church because Jesus never promised to keep us from the storm, but he promised to be with us in the storm to help us through. The problem is we wanna go to the self-help section in Barnes & Noble and get a book about how great we are because we think it's all about our happiness, our health, our wealth, our prosperity, and we got it all wrong. It's not primarily about our happiness, health, wealth, or prosperity. It's all about Jesus Christ and his glory. Right? And by the way, if you become, in 2021, a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ, he'll make you happy. I'm not saying he's not gonna make you happy but there will be suffering. All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Where did Peter write this letter? And by the way, before I get to that, let me just finish my thought. It wasn't until AD 313, Emperor Constantine, when he issued the Edict of Milan, that's finally in church history when the persecution stopped. About 250 years. All right, so where was Peter writing? He was writing in Babylon, which is Rome. I believe it's Rome. And I get that from chapter five, verse 13, where Peter says, and I quote, she who is at Babylon sends you greetings. Babylon. Now there's no evidence at all, biblically or in church history, that Peter ever went to the actual city of Babylon way over in ancient Mesopotamia, modern day Iraq. It just didn't happen. 
But there is evidence from, not the Bible, but from early church leaders that Peter did in fact live in Rome and he did in fact minister in Rome. We, we, we see that from the writings of Tertullian, of Ignatius, of Irenaeus, and also of Clement of Alexandria. He lived in Rome, he ministered in Rome. And so many people believe that in Peter's day, the word Babylon was a code word for Rome. Why? Because Babylon, back in the day, was filled with idolatry. And if you were living in the first century and you walked into Rome, you would see the idols and you would say, this reminds me of Babylon. And so, here's what we need to know. Perhaps, and I believe it's true, Peter used this code word Babylon to throw the authorities off his track. Right, they wanted him dead. They wanted to find Peter and kill him. And finally, they did catch up to him and according to church um, tradition, he was crucified upside down, but he was martyred for the faith. And so they're trying to find Peter and so he doesn't wanna say, hey, I'm right here in Rome. So he says, she who is at Babylon sends you greetings. So that when they found this letter, as they're looking for Peter to arrest him, and they say, hey look, he's in Babylon. Do you wanna go to Mesopotamia? No, not me, uh, forget it. And he's right there in their backyard the whole time pastoring a church. He's, he's protecting the flock, and he's protecting, by the way, himself. Now who did Peter write to? The recipients um, are scattered, suffering saints. And we see that in verse one. And so um, it's, this is an introductory message, and so that's why we're only getting partly through one verse this morning. I promise I'll go a little faster in the future. But look at verse one. If, right now, if you're looking at 1 Peter verse one, say amen. amen. Okay, so check this out. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles or pilgrims, this world's not our home, we're just passing through, elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And so the recipients of the letter that we're gonna start studying next week were part of the dispersion. Just like the Jews were part of the diaspora, the scattering, so now I believe that Peter's primarily writing to Gentiles and Jews, um, but we see these Christians and they're dispersed, they're scattered, where? Uh, to Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia, everything or most of what you see on the map right there is modern day Turkey. And so he's in Rome, he's writing a letter to all these Christians living in those areas and what was his message to the scattered suffering saints? What is the theme of First Peter? If you don't get anything else, you gotta get this right here. We can have hope when we hurt. That's what you're getting into as we go verse by verse. There's lots of sub-themes, but I read it and reread it and reread it, and what keeps jumping out is this right here. We can have hope, not hope so hope, but sure hope, <laughs> when we hurt. And so over and over, Peter mentions suffering in this letter because ladies and gentlemen, suffering is a reality in the world we live in. Stop denying it, stop running from it. It's part of it. 
And so Peter didn't just leave it at that, hey, you guys are gonna suffer, see you later. No, he also wanted his readers to know that since they belonged to Jesus, they could have hope when they hurt. I want you to check out 1 Peter chapter 1, verses six and seven, and I'm just gonna give you a few verses and we'll be done here, but I wanna bring out the theme from the letter. He says, in this salvation, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, here it is, you have been grieved by what? Various trials. You see how it's part of it? Somebody says, man, 2020 was a terrible year. I really hope 2021's better. Well, guess what? 2021 is gonna be exactly what a sovereign God wants 2021 to be. I'll say it again. It's not about our happiness, health, wealth, and prosperity. It's about the glory of Jesus Christ. This world's not our home. Okay, and so you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so what's Peter's message to us? His message is we may hurt now, but we can still have hope because when Christ returns, our faith, which is proven genuine by fiery trials, will result in the praise, glory, and honor of Jesus Christ. When Jesus comes back, how many of you guys believe he's actually gonna come back? All right, so when, not if, when he comes back, he's gonna look at you and he's gonna look at your faith. And if you endured with the help of God those fiery trials and that suffering, what's gonna happen is that he is gonna receive glory on that day of visitation because you allowed him to get you through those tough times. That's what that's saying right there. Check out 1 Peter 4.1. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. Ladies and gentlemen, look at me real quick. This is what I'm trying to do in this church. I'm trying to get you to look at the world through the lens of the scriptures. This is one of the reasons we built a school across the street so we can train up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids that can see the, the world through the lens of the scriptures. And so arm yourself with the same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And so what's Peter's message, his message is the same. We may hurt now, but we can still have hope because if we endure suffering, right, without griping, without complaining, without moaning and groaning, listen to this, without walking away from Jesus and the church, which many so-called Christians have done, just walked away from the Lord. This is too hard, I'm walking away from the Lord. If we can endure that suffering, we show our victory over sin. And so how does this work? Well, you heard it two weeks ago with Pastor Ethan. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. Abide in him because there's no power that comes from you or me. All the power comes from him. And when you and I abide in him, guess what? That power, that wisdom, that love goes from him on into us, and then he gives us the power to endure the hard times without griping, complaining, moaning, or groaning. He gives us the power to endure those difficult times. And guess what? 
all of a sudden we know that we have victory over the sin that's trying to dominate us, not because we're so good, but because he's so awesome. This is the theme. This is what we're getting into. This is not gonna be a, 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 you know, a, a book where we talk about how we can you know, have that health and wealth and, and prosperity. This is gonna be God's word. And then your last verse, 1 Peter 4, verses 12 and 13. Beloved, do not be surprised at what happened in 2020. <laughs> Don't be surprised the fiery trial when it comes upon you, not if it comes upon you, when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange, what's going on here? God's got it. As if something strange were happening to you. But, moan and, gro and groan, is that what it says? Rejoice. Let's just pause it right there. Please, please look at me. Next door we have a nursery with little kids. And guess what? We love them and they're growing up. But can we, spiritually speaking, get out of the nursery and start to grow up in the Lord in 2021? Can we do that? Can we stop crying and screaming and moaning and groaning over the difficulty that's going on in our lives and grow in Christ and actually rejoice, third line up, insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Peter's saying, you may hurt now, but guess what? You can still have hope because when Christ comes, that's when all the suffering's gonna end. Not now, then. And so I, I hear you. 2020 was tough. It was difficult. And you can grieve in a spiritual way without moaning and groaning in the flesh. And so, man, 2020, filled with suffering, physically with COVID, we all know this, right? It impacted negatively the health of so many people. And then economically, depending on where you live, in our country or in the world, all the shutdowns and all the subsequent financial cutbacks. And then socially, depending where you are, with the travel bans and not being able to spend holidays with your loved ones, that hurts. And then culturally, we saw all of it with the race riots and the looting and the burning. And then relationally, with these schools being shut down. Even though I heard the CDC say that school's one of the safest places for your kids, they still shut down schools, and what's the long-term effect on our children? It's mental and emotional issues and problems. And politically, with all the vitriol between the parties and all the mayhem that we saw last Wednesday, and somebody says, you know, good night, what's going on? This is strange. Everything's falling apart. No, it's not. I love this, I heard this recently. Everything is not falling apart. Everything is falling into place. Everything's falling into place. Because God is sovereign. And Romans 8:28 is true. All things are working together for good for those who love God and those who are the called according to his purpose. So trust in the Lord. In 2021, not if, but when that fiery trial comes upon your life, 
And you say, pastor, stop it. You're speaking negatively and that's gonna, that's gonna happen if you speak it. I don't believe in any of that. I believe this right here, okay? So listen, not if, but when. <laughs> I'm a realist. When the fiery trial comes upon your life and my life in 2021, let's rejoice in obedience to God's word because God is in control, we belong to him, and Jesus Christ is Lord. I love you guys, God bless you.